pretty, isn't it? Perfectly balanced, as all things should be. Too much to one side or the other. Welcome to another episode of Coffee Field Rampage, where we discuss pop culture. Uh, with me today is my best friend, Bree. I do want to give a warning uh, with today's pop- topic, Avengers Infinity War. There might be spoilers. We just watched the movie. I took a bunch of notes. She took a bunch of notes. If you have not seen the movie or if you just don't want to like an in-depth discussion about something about it... Uh, I do want to give you a warning that there will be spoilers in this episode. So, as I said, Brie and I are going to be discussing Avengers Infinity War. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Uh, hello, my name is Brie. It's very nice to meet all of you, even though I'm not meeting you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright, so, can you do this? Okay. Uh, so, essentially, I was doing a lot of notes as we were watching the movie, like yes. I just said. We literally just watched the movie and then jumped into recording. Uh, so I've got a lot of notes here. We're going to hit on a couple of topics. Biggest one being an overview of the movie itself. Um, and then I've got some other talking points that I've outlined that are kind of more particular to the Marvel Universe itself. And I know that you've got a couple of things that right. you're going to discuss. Um, uh, the first thing that I noticed in the movie that was really memorable, particularly, and I haven't seen the movie, uh, this is the first time in a year now, that over a year now that I've seen it, um, the last time that I saw it was when it came out. Um, first thing that I noticed was how they introduced the characters pretty seamlessly. Yes. Like, it's not just like a, okay, now we're gonna pan over to this character and introduce them. It was all pretty solid. Yes. Uh, it started with... Uh, Thor meeting with Thanos and Loki, uh, and then Banner getting dropped into the compound house thing that Doctor Strange has his right. So basically, situation that it's it's more of like a temple for uh, the mystic arts personnel, I guess you can say, um, just because like that is their home turf and that is like one of multiple like sanctuaries if you uh, would call it that where they actually keep a lot of the mystic art mystical art arts there we go i can talk now uh, (laughs) relics so yes that makes sense a temple makes more sense than a compound. Yeah. They're not a cult. They're very they're very selective. They don't want everybody. Right. <laughs> so anyways, Banner gets dropped into the temple and then after like he introduces himself to Doctor Strange, Strange goes and gets yeah. Stark. And then Parker was on the school bus when Thanos's wheel of torture giant came donut. around. Yeah. Yeah, when Thanos's giant giant donut came <laughs> around. Um and then Banner called Rogers. Yes. Uh, when they went to space, they ran into the Guardians. Right. You know, how it, it seemed like everything was like super. It wasn't it like was, just a, like a random pan over to find right, people. Right. It was more like a seamless, like, hey, this is what happened here, and now this is happening here. Exactly. So it's like a series of events that is just falling into place, basically. And you finally get to see how all the separate characters themselves come collectively together into Mm -hmm. this giant Marvel universe and we've all been waiting for this and it's been fantastic to see everything slowly progress over the years. They have done a really good job with that. Um, Even things that like between the Avengers movies, adding the characters in. Uh, While we were watching I thought the most random introduction was uh, Rogers and Natasha. Right. Um, But then I realized wait, Banner knew what he was at, what Thanos was after, he knows that Vision is the Mind Stone, right. and he probably was like, hey, go get them. Yes. Which, that makes sense. I just realized that as yeah. I was thinking, like, that was the most, no, wait, no, no, he did call him, he probably said, go to Scotland, retrieve the retrieve Wanda and Vision. <laughs> right, and, like, their whole thing is, is, like, they knew that they were looking for the specific source of energy in which the stones give off. So that's why they were able to locate Vision so easily, because they they knew the source and they were they had a pinpoint as to where the source was how like as to where uh the other characters didn't really know 
where Vision was because they mm -hmm. didn't have any way to scan for that energy. No. So that's kind of a pretty cool aspect if you think about it. It really is. I I like how just they really do just connect everything together. Yes. Um, I've uh, got so many other notes. <laughs> real quick, though, um, before we actually deep dive a little bit more into all this, I want to just, um, if any of you haven't seen any of the Avengers movies or don't know which order to watch them in, um, I know it's a little backwards and like how like the release dates and like how you're supposed to watch it and I'm using air quotes even though you can't see them <laughs> um, so the first one you're supposed to watch is Captain America the first Avenger because Captain America is basically set back in like the 1950s right mm -hmm. and then technically and again I'm using air quotes that you can't see which is hilarious to me uh, is Captain Marvel because she was set back in the 1990s however because of the way that they kind of introduced all the characters that's why she came in at a later date just because at the time it wouldn't really fit in a lot to the actual Marvel universe and the way that they laid everything out because it kind of connects into Infinity War and Endgame, which I'm going to try not to spoil it for you guys because I've already seen Endgame. Please do not. I still have yet to see Endgame. <laughs> I will actually cancel this whole podcast if I get it spoiled on accident. I, uh, I have We're done, going on Tuesday. <laughs> I've done very well so far not to spoil anything, but it's so difficult because I just want to talk about it. <laughs> This is good. We're playing a dangerous game here. Like, oh, very dangerous. <laughs> we should have done this last week. I'm sorry that I canceled. No, you're good. You're good. Um, so then is Iron Man, which was released back in 2008. Uh, even though Iron Man falls into the earlier ones, you can either watch the first Iron Man after you watch uh, Captain America, or you can watch it after Captain Marvel. Honestly, just watch it in whatever order you want, which makes sense to you. So then it's Iron Man 2, then The Incredible Hulk. Now, if any of you know, The Incredible Hulk is not actually the same Incredible Hulk that you see in the current Avenger movies. It's a completely different actor, and it was kind of produced differently than what the actual like Avengers movies have been produced recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, kind of threw me off a little bit because I was trying to figure out for the longest time. I was like, well, where's, where's the Incredible Hulk in all this? And like, where's his single movie? Well, someone else directed it. Someone else did the movie. And you just kind of have to go back and watch that yeah. one. Um, and then it is Thor. And then the Avengers. And then Thor, Dark World. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardian of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Iron Man 3. Captain America Winter Soldier, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, which definitely a very key part of Infinity War. You need to watch Avengers Age of Ultron. I, for the longest time, never realized that I had not seen this movie and didn't understand where Vision came into this whole thing. And mm -hmm. I believe I watched one of the older, or like, not older, but um, a different... Uh, Marvel movie and I just didn't understand where Vision came into play with all of this uh, and then it's Ant-Man uh, Captain America Civil War Black Panther, Spider-Man Homecoming, Doctor Strange Thor Ragnarok uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp very very key important like star next to this movie you need to watch this movie in order to understand some of the things that are happening in Endgame if you have not watched it already. That's on my list for tomorrow before we go see it. Yes uh, and that that's definitely like th I think that's kind of like a plus as well as like for me to see like Endgame already as compared to like you not seeing it is like I can sit here and say if you haven't seen this, yeah. go see it. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm bad at keeping up with the uh, most popular movies, things that are in theaters. I know that currently, like, all the Marvel movies are on Netflix, but um, 
I am bad at watching things. I I got no excuses. I'm just bad at it. So and there's no there's no problem with that either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously Infinity War and then Endgame is the order in which you're supposed to watch it. However, watch it in whatever order you want. If you haven't seen one and want to watch a different one, you know, do whatever you want. Uh, that actually brings up a question that I had during the movie while we were watching it. How imperative is it to see all of the individual movies, or at least a portion of the individual movies, or uh, rather, to rephrase that, do the Avengers-specific movies, like Avengers secondary title yeah. movies, do a good job of being standalone? Like, do you have to have that prior knowledge, or do they do a good enough job with the Avengers, like, strict like Avengers colon Infinity War, Avengers colon Endgame. Right. Uh, do they good? Do they do a good good enough job of being their own anthology series? Uh, I would say yes and no. Yes, because uh, they intertwine a little bit of the backstories in. However, no, because there's so many important details within the actual individual character movies that correlate to the like Avengers like all together mm -hmm. movies that you really need to see a lot of the individual ones. There's like a couple of them which I mean, you don't really have to see Ant-Man uh in my opinion just because it's like it's important but it's not like that important, but Ant-Man and the Wasp it's really important. And then if you want to understand more of the backstory but behind Ant-Man, then you need to go back and watch Ant-Man. Yeah. So it's kind of like a... It, it just like kind of goes together, but it doesn't at the same time, yeah. if that makes sense. No, that does make sense. It definitely felt like Ant-Man was more of a setup movie. Like, still having not seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, but having right. seen Ant-Man, that one definitely felt like more of a setup movie. Yeah. Like, there's more to come, but we have to establish like the foundation for right. this character. So this is what this is, but this doesn't really have any pull in like the rest of the universe. This is just yes. this is just this. And a lot of that as well um, will build up to Endgame. Okay. A lot of yeah. like your character development throughout like the individual uh, character like movies. Mm -hmm. It's like a huge character development all the way up until mm -hmm. Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. So like all their individual backstories like Bucky and his backstory and how yes. how he was on Wakanda. Yes. Um how he was living there. You you explained that to me because I didn't quite catch that. Yes. Um visions how he came to be. Yes. Even Wanda's backstory, you know. Yes. Being pretty much created to be a weapon at much like you know, Bucky. Right. Natasha. That and that's you know that's going back to how Hydra uh, was definitely incorporated into uh, all the Marvel universe. Way early on. And then yes. how they had Red Skull come back in Infinity War. Yes. I, oh, the first time that I watched that, and I completely forgot about it this time again, first time I watched it, I was not expecting that. Right. I was expecting just, like, some random, like, ghoul, like, to be yes. protected. And then, like, they showed his face, and I was like, ah, you! Yes. <laughs> You're back! <laughs> right. Good! Right. Welcome home! And it's like... <laughs> It, it kind of, like, suits him as well mm -hmm. because of, like, if you remember all the way back to Captain America, like, the first Avenger, uh, you see how he's so compelled to try to extract this extreme source of energy to become this, like, superhuman. It's, like, it makes sense that, you know, that what he has done is now he has to serve for something else. Yeah. Uh, you, you can only be self-serving for so long, especially right. when you're trying to, like, bend the rules of the universe to your right. favor. You cannot self-serve the entire time. Yes. This is not an ice cream machine. <laughs> I like ice cream, though. <laughs> yeah, it's not how the universe works. This is not how the universe works. <laughs> not what this does. Uh, oh, wait. Here's my point. Right here. Okay. And then we talked about that. Cool. Um... <laughs> Okay, um, there are so many different things in here. Okay, so oh, yes. back to 
origin stories and Wanda. Yes. Uh, origin stories and Wanda are kind of more separate. Right. Because um, I was griping about this during the movie. So you had brought up a comment that people, like, in the fandom were upset that Wanda is too powerful. But then you had also said, like, I think, like, an hour into the movie after you had made that comment yes. that uh, she was created using the reality stone. She was. She was created using one of the Infinity Stones. I And I think it is the Reality Stone because if you remember back to the Infinity Wars, Infinity Wars, uh, the Reality Stone is red and most of her power is red. is red. So that's why I would like put those two together. Yeah. However, I can't remember if that's exactly how it is. Uh, I think so, but I don't exactly remember. So I'm not going to quote myself yeah. on this right now. Uh, if any listeners are able to verify that, if Wanda was made with the Reality stone or any other infinity stone please send me a tweet at coffee fuel ramp on twitter i would actually like to know that uh and also interacting with you guys is fun um so fans are complaining that she's too powerful it makes sense if she was created out of the infinity stone right for her to be very powerful because that is literally a part of the like raw universe right um well, and also, it, like, they talk about how, well, Vision talks about in Infinity War how Wanda is the only person capable of destroying the Mind Stone, which really makes it, like, sink in. It's like, yes, so she has been created out of using one of these stones. Yep. And it's extremely important to know this fact. And it's like, just because you think she's too powerful, well, you also have to remember she was created using one of these infinity stones. Exactly. So she's like like receiving part of her power from these stones and like it's equal to each other. Exactly. And I that's why she and Vision make such a good couple. Um because they're they're true equals. Yes. It's not one lording power over the other. It's just two people that were created for a higher kind of more nefarious purpose that are finding comfort within each other. Like right. I said, she was she was born to be a weapon. She was molded into a weapon. Yes. She was held in captivity to hone her powers. They were going to be used for evil. She was used, actively used for evil until right. she broke out of it. Her, She watched her brother die trying to do something good in like his last seconds of life. He yes. was just trying to do something good because he realized we don't have to be like this. Yep. And then in this movie, she has to kill her love. And it's so heartbreaking. Like, that's... From, like, like the, <laughs> the sentimental side of me, it's just, like, why? Why does Vision have to die? And why does Wanda have to be the one to do this? Why? I think that they did that on purpose with her character to make her have to, like, experience all of this because she has these such strong powers, but then we also see she is a strong individual. Yes. Just as she is. Very I think that's so. very very cool that they did with her like yes it sucks and i my heart was going out there the entire time because right. she's like just trying her hardest to break this stone trying her hardest to keep thanos away from him right to have that stone break and then to have thanos use the time stone to just reverse time re- bring him back. bring big vision back to life and then her have to watch him die all over again like it didn't even matter yep uh, oh my god. I love Wanda. She's my favorite character. <laughs> it's just it's so heartbreaking. <laughs> oh, oh my I god. I think Doctor Strange has to be my favorite character. That is a good one. <laughs> he's just like... It, he's not like all the rest of them where they have like... They're born into something or... He was literally just dropped these. into it. Yeah, so he like... They knew his destiny. The Ancient One knew his destiny and it's just like... She slowly, like, molded him into this person that he was supposed to become. And Mm -hmm. he's, like, the most powerful wizard. Yeah. Quote, unquote. uh, For the whole entire Marvel Universe right now. And... I, oh, it makes me so mad, the fight scene between Thanos and Doctor Strange. When they're battling back and forth uh, on Terran. And... They're so close. He's so close. And it's just like, oh, well, I'm going to fight you with reality stuff. And I'm going to fight you with mystic arts. And we're, like, equal to each other almost. And then everyone has to go mess it up. Uh, not everyone. It was just Quill. Like, let's be real here. Peter Quill <laughs> had to go and ruin it with his damn emotions again. 
ruin it with his emotions. <laughs> it's like, I understand you just found out that your girlfriend died. However, stake of the universe. They almost had the gauntlet. Peter had it right there. He had it right there. Little Peter Parker. Young Peter Parker had the gauntlet. Ah! Quill. It, yes. I, like, I love Peter Quill. I love the character. I think it's hilarious how, like, he's going through this whole, like, character development of, like, trying to find himself and all this stuff. At the same time, it's like, get your freaking temper under control, dude. Like, get it under control, because we need you to have a cool head, so that way we can, like, save the universe. And he did not have a cool head. Yes. <laughs> he had a hot head. Uh, well, I will say what I really enjoyed particularly about Infinity War and what they've set up for is that there's always been a bit of comedy in the Marvel movies, but right. it's always been very heavy on the Guardians of the Galaxy side. Yes. And they did not let that up. Well, so it... The Guardians of the Galaxy is probably, like, one of the most heavily uh, comedic ones. Mm -hmm. However, there's also, like, some of the sarcasm and some yeah. of the undertoned, like, yeah. jokes that go on throughout, like, the rest of the Marvel movies. Yeah. But it's like Guardians has a very specific brand of comedy that they oh, bring to the series. Yes, definitely. And I like that they didn't, like, they kept up with that style of writing to, like, continue, like, these are very serious things. Like, right. at the start of the film where uh, Gamora and Quill are talking about, you know, how she knows where one of the stones is. Yeah. Well, she doesn't tell him that, but, like, where she knows where one of the stones is and she's like, I need you to kill me. I need you to swear on your mother that if he comes right. for me, you kill me. And then Drax is just like munching on food. I am moving so slowly. <laughs> I have mastered this art. Dude, you're eating. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but and it's like things like that throughout the film, like whenever the guardian like the guardians meet the rest of the Avengers right. and they're just still themselves. Like yes. it's I love it. Um I just like how uh, Quill like is standing there and he meets Thor and he's like my voice is always like this. You're, I don't understand. You're lowering your, your voice. <laughs> uh, are uh, you lowering your, your voice? Like, what's going is. on? <laughs> uh, one of my favorite lines is, I'm not from Earth. I'm from Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> Missouri's on Earth, you dipshit. <laughs> uh, um, okay, so anyway, back to backstories. And yes. um, so I... Still really want an individual backstory for Black Widow. Um, I know that Hawkeye wasn't in this movie at all. Um, right. Did the actor just want to take a break from it, or do they just not have a use for Hawkeye anymore? Because uh, no. I feel like they kind of wrapped him up pretty well in Age of Ultron, if I remember. Yes and no. So, um, oh, it's so difficult right now not to give anything away. Um... Hawkeye still serves a purpose. Okay. Uh, it's just, in this movie, they don't really need him at this point okay. in time. Uh, because it's not very... His skills aren't as necessary. Got it. Well, that makes sense. It's not like he's got, like, a mecha suit or... Right. Uh, any, like, powers or anything like that. Right. And uh, even if he was on Wakanda, uh, I don't think that he can shoot arrows that far away. Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you did say that Black Widow got some backstory in Age of Ultron. Um, and I do kind of vaguely yes. remember that. I'll need to go back and watch to pick up more. It's been... I really only watch these movies, like, once, so I forget so much. Which is why I needed to rewatch <laughs> Infinity right. War before this episode. Uh, I will admit that I have an issue with going and watching movies multiple times. That's over not an issue. It's fine. And especially these movies, because I really love the Marvel Universe. And it's, like, whole thing that it's given us. Thank you, Stan Lee. I know you're no longer with us, but I just want to tell you how much I love these movies, and thank you so much for giving us the Marvel Universe. Like, and thank you for playing a role in every single film for us, so that way we have a little bit of you watching your children grow and you know, become these amazing characters. Like, thank you, Stanley. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stanley. Huh. What? You've never seen a spaceship before? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, okay, so we get a bit of the backstory for Black Widow. She still doesn't have a full movie, which I don't know how, like, if it's, if just, like, a, whatever they do in Age of Ultron is enough for her backstory. I don't know. I'll have to go back and watch. Right. Um, but... It just seemed kind of weird to me that she's been, like, with the Avengers from the get-go. Um, 
but she still doesn't have anything in like the backstory department, but Doctor Strange does. However, after I've done some thinking, well, he's got the time stone. Right. So it makes sense that he would have an actual backstory because they need to know how he got it. Right. Um, we as viewers need to know. And they, yeah, they actually do a pretty great job of like summing up his like everything in like right. three seconds. He's like, I've got the time stone. <laughs> Exactly, like it's just That's like, what I do. <laughs> Hello, I am here to protect this stone because I, I, I'm important. Yep, I'm, I'm here to protect this stone, and then I'm just going to give it to Thanos. <laughs> well, and if you think about it, like... It was at the end, he was like, "That's the, it was the only way. Right, and it just, it, you know he, he saw the one way, the one singular way that this whole entire thing was going to be able to work and be able to play out, and... If that was the only way, then you know that he, he saw it when he was going there and, like, going through the however million times that he was replaying the scenario over and over and over. Mm -hmm. Something like four million, four hundred million, forty million. Right, it was something some... Something four. <laughs> yeah, some, like, ridiculous million number. And then with Black Widow, she's essentially just there to fight her ass off. Right, and um, we do need that strong female character to come in and oh be God. like, "Watch out, watch out, yeah, I'm gonna get this, <laughs> like, kick some ass, watch out, like, yeah, we need that woman, like, we need that person because without Black Widow and like, it, it kind of like gives you a sense of like relief almost because you get to see her go from this hardened assassin basically in the yep. very beginning to this person who warms up and has feelings for other people. Like and her relationship with Banner. Right. Like that's a good example of an evolution of not only her character but his character so her right. actually then being open to uh, interpersonal relationships you know getting close to everybody else on the Avengers like right. I think she and Steve become pretty close at some point like yes. friends like actual friends yes. um, but then there's also a lot with Banner so in the first like first movie he's very quiet very reserved he doesn't right. do a lot of talking because he's very afraid to let the Hulk out yes. and then throughout the movies you know he's still kind of he started to crack open that shell and come out in this movie the Hulk barely even played a part because he didn't want to. Right. Um, so it's like they're no longer... He and the Hulk aren't working together anymore, but because he and the Hulk aren't really working together, Banner's able to be a part of the team. Right. Man. Get it. And, like, that's also, like, one of the pretty awesome things, uh, too, because you get to see that character development through the, you know, all the Avengers movies with the Hulk, and especially in Thor Ragnarok, mm -hmm. because it's the Hulk the whole time. The whole time. It is just the Hulk, just doing Hulk-like things the entire time, just, just getting to be himself. It's good. Right. And then you get to see in this movie the conflict that, you know, how the Hulk is now, oh, well, I'm hurt and I don't want to come out and I don't want to see all these people because they don't like me and I'm not... I'm not treated like a king on this, you know, planet or whatever. And it's, it's like hilarious to see the back and forth between Banner and the Hulk. Especially when Banner's like, screw you, you big green asshole. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're definitely like allowing Banner's character to get more bold and just actually have life. Right. You know, he's not a slave to potentially unleashing the Hulk. Now he can do it intentionally. Yes. Um, did they ever kind of talk about how it was during Ragnarok, though, when, like, Banner was just trapped inside the Hulk? Um, they discussed it a little bit when, like, at more towards, like, the end. Or, of Ragnarok? Like, yeah, like, when Banner actually comes back instead mm -hmm. of being just the Hulk. Um, they, they talk about it a little bit, and because Banner has no recollection of being the Hulk for two years. Oh, that was a long time frame. And basically, he just, the Hulk just took over, and whenever Banner is in the form of the Hulk, he has no memory of okay. anything. 
I couldn't quite remember what that was like. If it, like he actually had recollection, he was just kind of like a passive observer in his own life, or if he was just zonked out the entire time. And it sounds like he's just zonked. Yeah, he's just out like the whole time. I mean, that's not a bad way to be. <laughs> no, because I mean, with some of the things that he's done, I'm pretty sure like. That would cause you to have some major PTSD, and you wouldn't really want oh, to yeah. remember some of that. So oh, it's yeah. understandable. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, I kind of understand like the varying backstories. At least they like, try and integrate things into the movies, like even if it's just through like little snippets and stuff like that. So the right. fans at least have something other than like, well, where the hell did this person come from? Right. They actually like actively try and include things in, even if it's not a full two-hour. $500 million budget movie. Right. You know. And it, it really helps to, like you said, with the getting to know some of these characters a little bit more. Because, I mean, if you think about it, Wanda could have her own, uh, or Scarlet Witch, whichever one you want to call her. She could have her own, sh like, movie, but I don't think it would be that good of a movie because basically they summed it all up in uh, Age of Ultron. Yeah. And you can see yeah. how she transformed from being, you know, this bad guy into this superhero. Yeah. And you can also see, I think it was Civil War, at the beginning of Civil War, where she accidentally killed people um, because she was trying to stop a bomb from going off and it killed her inside yeah. because she was like I didn't mean to do that like oh my god yeah so it was like it's really interesting to see her kind of play out as a character yeah I'm sure that was a lot of weight to carry around um just I, and I think about that a lot with the superhero movies because then you see like all the damage that is done while they're trying to like save cities and the entire world right. from these alien attacks but then like you think about the all the people that have been killed in the process um I think my main thing is, is I want to know where these people are getting the budget to rebuild every time especially <laughs> you New York City you get attacked a lot like let's be real constantly here. it's like every other day they're getting attacked by aliens yeah it's well, like it, I think it was like Batman versus Superman where they they actually like brought that to light right where it was like somebody was like just it wasn't Luther but it was somebody else was like distinctly out to get like one of the two I think it was I think it was Batman they were out to get because like he was trying to like save somebody or something no it might have been Superman I don't know anyway it was like that was a very specific repercussion that they brought up in the movie was somebody got killed somebody and then that person's loved right. one then had a vendetta uh yeah so that was and again, if I'm wrong, if that wasn't Batman versus Superman, which I really have a strong feeling that it was, send me a tweet at Coffee Fuel Ramp. Uh, I need fact validation, please. <laughs> uh, and then I'll be honest, I have not really watched any of the DC movies. I've watched Justice League and I've watched uh, Aquaman, and that's about it. I still like, haven't seen Aquaman. I need to uh, get on that. Yeah, I just. This is not a DC girl. This is a Marvel girl. <laughs> you are definitely a Marvel girl through and through. I am Marvel all the way. Um, I actually want to kind of touch on Thanos and Gamora's relationship. So yes, that Thanos is a very interesting one. Saved, saved air quotes. Saved Gamora right from genocide. Uh, that he created. Yes, um, <laughs> but he took in this small child. And I don't know, it, like, I'm not sure what the motive was. I don't know if the motive was just, if that was, like, an instance of pure kindness, because he did see, like, this small child trying to find her mother, and he was like, oh, now my conscience feels guilty. Well, maybe if I give her right. a life outside of a dying planet, a dying society, maybe yeah. that will make me feel better. But then he also, like, forces her into combat, forces her to become a warrior, right. you know, forces her to fight her own sister. For what? Uh, so, my thinking behind it, and, like, if you watch the scene where Thanos is going through uh, all these different planets, and it, she, he's on Gamora's planet, you can see, like, how she's supposed to go on one side, 
and she's just sitting there and she's like trying to get free and she he, like looks at her and he said oh you're a fighter oh one. that's right so yeah. it's like he almost has this little weakness for her to try to protect her and he actually like it seems like he has pure feelings for her like yeah. as like an actual daughter yeah like he sees potential in this one yeah he that's why he takes her and he shows her the balancing of the blade and mm -hmm. all that and she still had it to the the day in which like she was taken with Thanos, mm -hmm. and especially to uh, Vormir where she was sacrificed to get the Soul Stone. Mm -hmm. She still had it, and she tried to sacrifice herself before he could throw her over uh, the edge of the cliff to you know be sacrificed for yeah. the Soul Stone. And it's you can see like he actually has love and compassion in his heart for her but he believes that his destiny is so important that he has to sacrifice the one person he truly loves which is Gamora. Which that scenario is a little screwy to begin with because isn't Nebula his actual like blood daughter? That I don't I'm not sure about that. That's what I meant to look up before we started. I think I'm going to look that up and, like, tweet it out because... No, don't you look it up. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> Side note, do not look anything up unless you have seen Infinity War, or not Infinity War, I'm sorry, Endgame, because there are so many freaking spoilers, it's ridiculous. Um, actually, all throughout the movie, if I had a question about something, Brie was the one to look it up because <laughs> I did not want to have it spoiled. We, it, we, we are recording this on Sunday. We are going on Tuesday, so in two days' time to go see this movie. I just had her look up everything. Um, but it was like, because they were both his daughters. Um, but I think, if I'm remembering correctly, in the first Guardian of the Galaxies movie, um, Nebula had a lot of disdain for Gamora because she was the favorite daughter. But it also seemed like it might have been because like she was the adopted child, but Nebula might have been the biological they're, child. So they're both the adopted child. Okay, um, got it. And the reason... I was always confused about that relationship. The reason as to why... Um, um, Thanos is always like looking after Gamora more is because Gamora is showing more potential than Nebula has. Yeah. And Gamora shows more potential and uh, shows a higher success rate for you know, the wars and the events that have come to take place and that's why Nebula is constantly trying to like show herself and prove herself to Thanos saying, look, father, I can do this. Like, mm -hmm. let me be one of your favorite childs, not just Gamora. Yeah. But I think because of the fact that Nebula is basically constructed. Yeah. She's not actually, I don't like a person. Uh, right. Technically. She's more like machine than yeah. what she is person. And that's why she's not biological. Yeah. Right. But she still has that. AI yes. that Vision has almost yes. to where it's like she's self-thinking and she can like have these emotions and these feelings but she's not like Gamora where Gamora was a little one when yes. Thanos found her and took her with him to go on these huge tirades of you know genocide on all these other planets and things like yeah. that uh, God, the one part that got me was, like, when Nebula caught up with him on, um, Terran. Yep. And she went to go attack Thanos, and he said, you're a waste of parts. I was like, ah! Right. And you're rude. You're a dick. Right. So that's what also makes me believe that, you know, Thanos is really, you know, more geared towards, you know, <laughs> having Gamora as his daughter mm -hmm. as compared to Nebula. Yeah. Which sucks for Nebula. That really sucks. Nebula is kind of a badass in she a sense. She is, Like, yeah. you think about it. Yeah, she is. She's bona fide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just glad that she finally came into her own right rather than, like, trying to prove herself to somebody that is going to continually look down on her because she won't serve... Because she can't serve a specific purpose. Right. Now she's just like, screw it, I'm gonna do it myself. And she does. Right. She's and just like... Eh. I'm done. That is what I love about <laughs> Nebula. I love the fact that she is just like, all right, if you're not going to help me, I'm going to do it by myself because I'm that exact same way. That's my personality. And yep. that's what I love about Nebula is because I can really relate to her in yeah. that sense. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just realized I accidentally called Nebula Gamora, I think. Oops. Oh, oh well. Eh, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, Moron 
Gamora and Thanos' relationship, um, in the second watch through, I realized the scene on Nowhere, where he twisted the reality. Yes. It was to make sure that she did indeed still care about him. Right. And, you know, realizing that he can still manipulate her. Oh, yes. Making sure that he, she still cares, making sure that he can still manipulate so that he can get her to take him to the Soul Stone. Yep. It and is yeah, awful. Yeah, that, that sucks, because she's crying, and then she sees him, and she's just like, God damn it, like... Right, like, it just I fell into this trap, like... And I feel like she should have known that it was going to be a trap from the beginning, Especially because... Especially it was so easy to take him down. Right, and then, like, also, she should have known that Thanos was going to be going after that stone because he knew where it was. He mm -hmm. knew what was going on. And she should have known it was a trap because she lived with him. She is like quote unquote his daughter. Like mm -hmm. how how can you fall into this if you're supposed to be knowing these things? And it just it frustrates me like throughout this whole movie because it's like why aren't you like paying attention to these things? Like yeah. look, come on. Yeah. Yeah. And then like you said earlier, uh, her intention, like, when she realized what's happening, when she realized that he is about to sacrifice her right, to get what he wants, even though she just went on that entire tirade about, like, I've always dreamed of seeing you standing in, like, the face of what you wanted and not being able to get it because you don't care about anything, and then yes. he's crying, and Red Skull is like, oh, honey. <laughs> Those are tears for you. <laughs> You're gonna die. <laughs> She's just like... You couldn't, like, just see it. She was just like, are you kidding me? Like, like right. are you kidding me? And then she tries to kill herself to prevent him from being able to get it. Right. But he's still got, like, in the last-ditch effort, like, not thinking just, like, I have to stop him. Like, if that means my own life, I have to stop him. Exactly. And he just used the reality stone to turn the knife that he gave her into bubbles. Yep. And it... Oh, it, that was such a plot twist. Oh, my God. It's like, you really <laughs> you really were hoping that she was going to be able to, like, successfully commit suicide, which that's normally not, not something no, you want. No, no. <laughs> Except in this instance, it's like, it's definitely... This one time. <laughs> it's definitely, like, the fate of the universe is, you know, in the hands of this one person, and you're just like, okay, like, I'm all right with this for this one time. Yeah, that I remember the first time I was first time I saw it was in the theaters. Um and I think I had a book in my lap because I got the like to the theater before my friends did, so I was reading. Yeah. I just wanted to throw the book at the screen. Right. Like I just wanted to just throw it at the screen. I oh, was yeah. so upset. Like, I was crying. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. I was, like, shocked. And, like, when I realized what was happening. Yeah. And then, like, the scene um, of him, like, waking waking up in the water outside of it with the soul stone in his hand, I was like, they just killed her. Holy, they just killed her. Yep. She dead. Yep. It, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it's awful. It's so awful. That's, I think, one of, like, my least favorite parts, like, throughout the whole entire, like, movie, because, like, Gamora comes to grow on you, like, throughout the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and you're just like, why? Why did this have to happen? Like, I don't understand. It's just... But her preparing to sacrifice her, like, her own life, like, forfeit her own life to stand in his way brings up a good theme that was actually pretty consistent throughout the whole movie, which is sacrifice. Right. Everybody is sacrificing something. Wakanda sacrificed the safety of themselves, you know, exactly. the, it, to open up the gates so they couldn't go around the sides so that, I'm um, sure, could try and, you know, detach the Infinity Stone. Right. Um... Uh, there is the... Oh, shoot, I just had it. Uh, Thor sacrificed himself to keep the iris open. Right. So that they could actually get the Stormbreaker. Yep. Um, which, actually, that was a fun little side adventure that he and Rocket got to go on. Yes. Uh, and speaking of Rocket, my favorite scene, when he's shooting and Bucky's shooting, and Bucky's just like, yoink, and then they're just, like, going in a circle shooting together. Oh, yes, that's <laughs> one of my favorite scenes, because <laughs> Rocket's just going to town, and he's like, ah! <laughs> yes! How much for the gun? Not for sale. The arm? Bucky Not just ignores him. I'm gonna get that arm. <laughs> if you don't remember, um, Rocket is notorious for <laughs> taking other people's body parts, especially <laughs> mechanical ones. It's amazing. Um, 
Groot with the Stormbreaker sacrifices his own arm, like even though he can regrow it, like he right. still sacrifices part of himself so that the Stormbreaker can actually have a handle that can be well, so it can actually be weld by Thor. Yes, um, which and also it saved Thor's life because without the without Stormbreaker or without uh, Thor's hammer, he was going to die. Yeah, because his power like thrives through these myth- mystical objects. Yeah. Um, and then Wanda sacrificing her love to ensure the safety of the universe. Like, everybody has something that they're putting on the line. So that way they can either, you know, try to see their, you know, dreams come true, a.k.a. Thanos, which, you don't need to see his dreams come true. (laughs) Um, but or like you, you know, trying to save the universe from being destroyed and thousands upon trillions of people being, you know, murdered essentially. Yeah. Which I'm thinking, like Thanos is a bit like Hitler in this sense. Yeah, both really skewed ideology. I, I, you know, I don't quite know if I would definitely put them on that same level. I would. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I'm... <sighs> because basically he's creating genocide because You're right, this is, is like his ideal... This like, is his ideology that he's putting upon the rest of the universe, whether he, the universe wants it or not. Right, and just like Hitler Or believed, agrees. Just like Hitler also believed, you know, it was, you know, it was good for, you know, this minority of people to no longer be in existence for the good of the world. Yeah. And this is like Thanos is, uh, we need to destroy half of these people for yeah. the good of the universe. Yeah. Yeah, with a little bit more retrospection, it's, yeah. I, you know, I just literally thought of that, too, and I was (laughs) like, oh, oh, wow. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Uh, So, a quote that really had me tearing up for a second was when everybody was on Wakanda, and the hellhounds were starting to break through, and then they were starting to go around back, and then somebody was like, hey, um... This isn't going to be good if we just let them keep going around. And then T'Challa was like, ah, yes, uh, you're correct. We should open up the barrier. And then one of his uh, generals uh, says, this will be the death of Wakanda. Right. And then Okaya says, it will be a noble death. Right. And I just started, like, tearing up at that because, like, it's the recognition that what they're doing is going to be for their greater good, but that is such a heavy sacrifice of your home, your friends, your family, everything that you hold near and dear. Wakanda is shut out to the rest of the world because it, 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 they know that if if they open up that barrier, the entire world is going to bleed them dry. Right. It's not going to be good. It's going to be very, very bad. And it's a, it's actually, it's a beautiful scene because you can see, like, their passion behind behind Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, save the universe and protect vision for the good of the universe. Exactly. And it's, it's amazing to see that and like, see how people, movies give me like, (laughs) like restore my faith in humanity, even though like, I know it's not real. Like it still helps. (laughs) There's the thing that like art imitates life, you know, we might not be seeing this day to day, but that doesn't mean that it's, it's not happening. There are still people out there that are doing the right thing that are making excuse me, sacrifices for the greater good that are putting things that they hold dear on the line so they can hopefully make the world a better, safer place. Exactly. Um, This is just a super hyped up version because it's got aliens and infinity stones that don't exist. Right, but it's still (laughs) cool, like, regardless. Because, you know, um, I want vibranium. That stuff Mm -hmm. is super cool. That would be awesome. Uh, Do you want to talk about the uh, (laughs) defense or the the, uh, design flaw on Wakanda's barrier? Yes, okay, like, <laughs> let's let's uh, put this in retrospect for a moment. So, we noticed this, um, Pancakes is the one who actually is the one who pointed it out. Uh, strategically, why would you put a barrier up that does not completely secure you underground as well? That's a major design flaw, strategically. However, I understand that they were not planning on having someone go underneath the barrier and come up into Wakanda. But still, it makes me mad because it's like, why wouldn't you think of all things that can protect you instead of this one thing? 
like the amount of technology that is used like throughout mm-hmm. this whole entire series it's insane it's things that like don't even exist in real life yep and it's like okay you're gonna do this but you're not gonna have like protection for like underground like are you kidding me yes but if they hadn't done that and those big old donuts hadn't gotten through, yeah. Wanda couldn't have come down and kicked some ass. Right? Because she was like, Wah, And she just like exploded them. Okay, was just like, where the hell has she been? Why was she up there? <laughs> Why was she up there with time? her boyfriend? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, when she did come down, then they had to like hurry up and like shut up the Infinity Stone and like right. they couldn't directly like save Vision and ugh. Yes. Uh, uh, however, I think. Like, the way they did this movie, it's just, like, irritating for me in general because I get so passionate about it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why didn't you do things a little bit differently? Like, why couldn't you have saved Vision a little bit longer or made, like, their scene where they're together a little bit more, a little bit longer so that way they had a little bit more time together? But in all actuality, the scene where Vision is, like, having Wanda destroy the stone and he's sitting there and he's, like, he's saying, I love you right before the stone shatters like it's just heartbreaking broke my heart so much and it's like so beautiful i feel only you it's like what do you mean you feel only her stop it stop it you're making this harder on her oh you're making it harder on us right and that was their intent was to have like all these emotions like thrown into this movie and it's like supposed to like captivate you and definitely it got a lot of people into in-game. Yes. Like, because now you're like, what happens next? Exactly. That's What's exactly where I'm at. I'm like, what? how are they even going to come back from this? Because then everybody turns to dust. Like, we've got like five people left. Six, seven, I don't know. Yeah. We've got more than five. But you know what I mean. We've got like five people left. Um, like, a lot of the team is just <laughs> scattered. Yeah. And like, you know. Uh, They're just I, dust. <laughs> Tony Stark is on Terran. Or yeah. With, and uh, the only Nebula. one that he's got is Nebula. Like, he doesn't even have St- Strange there with him. Like, right. Everybody got dusted. And I think they did that intentionally. I think they intentionally put Strange as one of the people to vanish intentionally because he has all these powers that are unharnessed. And I feel like he could have done something to go back and try to change something else. And that's why Thanos was like, snap, okay, bye, like, wizard. (laughs) See ya, bro. (laughs) Like, bye. (laughs) Ransom, I don't think so. You're on the list. (laughs) Right. And, like, you can definitely tell, like, he did this to try to weaken them. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely a strategic thing on his part because he's like, well, if I don't have, if they can't all be together and I can take away a majority of them, then they're weaker and they're mm-hmm. not going to be able to try to defeat me and later. He totally took away a majority of them. Oh, yes, he did. I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark. I'm like, why? Oh, that was so heartbreaking, too, because you can just see, like, the amount of, like, passion that Peter Parker has to, like, try to help, like, the Avengers. And Oh, my God. The look of awe on his face when Tony said, all right, you're an Avenger now. He was just like, huh. I did it. (laughs) (laughs) It's fantastic. Only took you, like, three movies, kids. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like... Oh, my gosh. Wait, let's stop on uh, Peter Parker for a moment. I do not like how in Homecoming they didn't actually explain his, his spidey senses. Because... Yeah, you were upset about that. Like, you can kind of see it, and you could kind of see, like, oh, well, he knows when bad stuff's gonna happen, and he's, like, prepared to, like, look around and be your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. However, in this movie, in Infinity Wars, all they did was sit there and they're like, oh, there's a giant, like, donut over here that's coming from the sky. It's a space donut. And, ooh, my hairs are going to stand up. So that's my spidey senses. That was, like, the first time from what I remember, like, seeing his actual spidey senses. And, like, Mm -hmm. going back to, like, movies, like, way before, like, Homecoming even came out or, like, this Peter Parker had even become a thing, they always, like like gave some preface to like the spidey senses this is the one thing that toby mcguire did better i, um, <laughs> I can't i can't with you oh i don't she does not like the toby mcguire spider-man movie <laughs> i just can't i do not like them i do not like him 
I just I, I'm just partial to this Spider Man, and it's not because he's very good looking in my eyes. He is adorable. He's such like a sweet little to, cinnamon roll. I would like him to be my future baby daddy. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, my favorite <laughs> line from him was, "You can't have the friendly neighborhood. You can't be the friendly neighborhood Spider Man if there's no neighborhood." Right. I love that. Which is absolutely like spot on. Exactly. If there's no neighborhood. Right. There's no Spider-Man. Exactly. And there's no friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And then we just lose the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man anyway. And exactly. Like, what is going exactly. on? Exactly. They just took him like that. He they just took- He should have been more concerned about there not being a Spider-Man. Right. It's just like, what the heck? Like, come on now. Come on, Parker. Thanks. <laughs> um, final thought on the movie. Particularly the last scene when everybody's getting dusted. There's absolutely no music. The only thing that you hear is just, like, trees, wildlife, yep. sound of dust, people talking, thunder in the distance. Yep. But there's no music. It, it's You're just left there in the silence. It's that ominous feeling of knowing that everything that you just know is now gone. It's gone. I don't know how they're going to come back with this. I, I'm I'm very intrigued. I'm very excited to go see Endgame. Oh, I'm so excited! I I'm gonna bring tissues. I'm very you excited need to bring tissues. <laughs> I'm very excited to go see it because I'm I'm very much intrigued to know how they're gonna come back from this. How are they gonna end everything? This this isn't the end because Endgame is the end. It, but how are they gonna end this? It's and fantastic. I just I'm I'm pretty I'm very confident that they were talking about like doing other Marvel movies with like Black Panther and stuff like that. So I don't know if like I when when after we're done seeing Endgame, I need to do some more research into it. They're coming um, out with a second Spider-Man. Um, I don't remember when that's supposed to actually come out. Uh, however, do not sit there and wait until the end of Endgame because there is no little snippet like how we've been getting for the rest of these movies because this is literally the end. That's yeah. why they're calling it Endgame. Yeah. Like, there's nothing else coming. But this is like the end of this arc. Like, the Avengers arc. So I'm just wondering if like they're planning on doing like another arc or if they're just wanting to do standalone movies for well, a while. I think they're probably like, going to be coming out with standalone movies because I think I saw something about the Falcon. Yeah. Um, Hell yeah. Sam Williams, I yeah. think, is the character's yeah. name. Uh, they're going to be coming out with a movie, I think, specifically for him, possibly. Nice. This is just something I saw on Facebook. Yeah. And of course, whatever's on Facebook is true, of right? Of course, obviously. Uh, always. <laughs> but... Um, I think they might be coming out with something for him. And going back to our original thing, you know, like where, you know, Scarlett Johansson or uh, Black Widow doesn't have an actual backstory. Exactly. She is probably one of the most perfect characters to see her develop from, like, her beginning training of being an assassin all the way up until she starts getting into the Avengers. Exactly. That'd be a perfect movie. It would be. And the, I think the, it Just the actually... evolution. I, I, they might have issues with, like, time skips and time jumps, but, like, still at least something. You can do it through flashbacks. Like, right. this is her starting with the Avengers, and then here's flashbacks to her training and flashbacks to her childhood. Exactly. Flashbacks to, like, adolescence and stuff like that. Well, and they did something kind of similar to that um, in Age of Ultron, I believe. I think where, I do recall a little bit of that. Where they uh, had her going back through her uh, original training, but it would be kind of cool to see, like, the original start of the training up until she graduates and then see, like, where, like, Clint, the uh, Hawkeye, when yeah. Hawkeye comes in and then they, like, because you know they have a bond together, but you don't know why. Yeah. And why then, do they have that bond? They just happen to be, like, childhood friends that both happened in, with the odd... But she saved his life somehow. Ah. And so it's like a... They, they kind of, like, mentioned that in the I first Avengers movie. I don't know about these characters. <laughs> clearly, I don't retain any of this information. Clearly, I retain all this information, <laughs> so it's cool. I got you. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just spewing but, words. Like, it's really cool to see how Clint uh, and Natasha have this bond and I think like if they did a movie about just Black Widow they could transform it from you know when she starts her training how she got involved in being mm -hmm. an assassin like all the way up until both her and Hawkeye you know come together and make this relationship together and be become friends and save each other and love each other in a way that you know only friends can love each other yeah so it's like brother and sister almost. Yeah. 
it, yeah, I think that would be a very good movie. I think so too. Called Black Hawk or something like. No, wait, no, wait. No, that's <laughs> hang on. That's a movie already. <laughs> hang on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed viewing this with you, and thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. Oh, awesome. Have anything you want to say to the listeners? Um, I just want to let you guys know. Uh, I know I called Kylie pancakes once throughout this whole entire thing. I figured it would have been more. <laughs> I know. I was think- sitting there thinking about that. If you want, you uh, could probably do go onto her Twitter thing or whatever. I don't have a Twitter, so that's why I am like sound like I'm old. Uh, go on there and ask her why I call her pancakes, because it's a pretty interesting story. Uh, by the way, we've been friends since the second grade. Yep. So that's also a reason as to why. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you want that story, you have any comments or questions, or if you want to answer any of the questions that I post throughout this podcast, like I said, the Twitter is at Coffee Fuel Ramp. I had to shorten it a while ago because I realized that uh, trying to do at Coffee Fueled Rampage did not work. Uh, it stopped after so many characters. So I did a Coffee Fuel Ramp. Uh, Next episode is actually going to be Endgame. I do want to let you guys know that now, so there are going to be massive spoilers in that one. Uh, I did want to do a two-parter for this. However, that's two weeks from now, and that will be a total of three weeks before the movie came out. Um, But I will, again, include a spoiler warning at the beginning of that episode, like I did for this one, because I do uh, not want anybody who has not seen it to have it spoiled for them if they intend on seeing it. And I will be back, guys. She will be back two weeks in a row with the same guest. What a wonderful time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to get out of here. I hope you all have a lovely day, and we will see you next time.